Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. If you came looking for a football show to get you buzzing, look no further, bud. You found it. D. Mendy here, joined by a man of the water, Johnny Foosball, John Van Etten. How's it going, my friend? Man of the water, yeah, Jason Momoa over here. Well, you were uh, Labor Day. I saw you were on the boats, on the water, you know, so I, I figured you were just a man of the water. Yeah, man of the water, man of the dog, man of the beers. Oh, see, that's bad planning on my part. I should have had you as all three. John made an Instagram post out of it. That's how you know it was real. That's like my second one of the year, guys. It's big. <laughs> the voice you also heard there is uh, the, when you hear the term shot o'clock, the doc, Eric Mendelson runs over. What's up, man? Not much, man. You know, good good weekend celebrating with you. There were a lot of shot o'clocks and uh, you know, for, probably some more in the future. For the record, shot o'clock is my joke. It's been stolen and appropriated. I'm sorry, John. You don't have a watch tattoo. When you do, uh, I'll give it back to you. <laughs> or I'll give it to you. And then we can't forget this controversial fella, the Bradster Domus himself, Brad Kilgore. How was your weekend, my friend? Can't complain, man. I'm stressed out now, though. I just did the uh, the Redskins-Eagles preview. Oh, you're projecting a loss? Oh, yeah. It's not going to be pretty. <laughs> well, we're going to be diving into that game and many others because guess what, boys? It's officially week one. No more waiting. No more projections. No more rankings. It's the real deal, and we couldn't be more excited. While we love talking about all the stuff, we can't wait for the next few months to start analyzing games and helping players listening win their fantasy matchups. Before we dive into everything, I want to kind of go over some format changes for this show going forward. Um, this is what you'll be hearing for the next four months. Our question of the week and game are staples of this show and will continue to be so moving forward. So don't worry, we'll have those. Our DFS segment that we included last year in each show will now have its own separate episode on the stream. The Bradstradamus We'll be hosting uh, weekly DFS shows with one of our friends, and he is going to be doing that, I believe, starting week two. So look for the stream. Look for the Triple Play Fantasy stream. It will be on there. Uh, Brad is a really good DFS player, so I would make sure you listen to what he says. And, uh, again, if you're a DFS player, that's going to be part of what we're doing, but we're not going to be doing it in our main episode. So look forward to that being on the stream moving forward. There's also going to be uh, us analyzing games just in general. So uh, we'll be going through each matchup and talking about guys you can start sit, talking about uh, if there's going to be a lot of points scored, over-unders, all that kind of good stuff. But best believe the guests will still be coming on here, and we're going to be trying to get them pretty regularly. So look forward to hearing some new voices coming on here to help keep us in check and giving their expert advice um, on this show. But – with that being said, with that mouthful, let's get to our news and notes.
news and notes. The Bears have officially named Mitch Trubisky quarterback for week one. I don't remember exactly who on this pod called Nick Foles, but... Uh, oh, not me. It was me. <laughs> it was also me. But also, Eric, don't take too much credit. You almost called him last week, but decided not to. You know, I, I figured if the Bears started with Foles, there's no going back to Trubisky. They at least have to start him for a week one. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk around my table right now and take a victory lap. I thought he was, well, about, to, uh, I thought he was about to shave with a, a manscaped razor. Wow. <laughs> what product placement. I like that, Brad. I like that. Also, anytime he gets up, I just assume he, he's getting up to uh, empty a small bladder, Eric's small bladder. <laughs> not, not during the show, but this this victory lap was deserved, gentlemen. Out of 53 squad. Yeah, will he last the season is the big question, though. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's that's we. It's I'll be interested to see how he does and how long he actually is the quarterback. But another bit of big news here: Adrian Peterson has officially signed a one-year contract with the Detroit Lions. Brad, does he have fantasy relevance there? And what are you doing with that messy Detroit backfield? Yeah, I think his situation improved, but he was never really a viable fantasy option to me. Um, sure, Washington was going to name him the starter, but the actual carries were going to be split between Gibson, Barber, McKissick through there, and maybe some Bryce Love. So it was always going to be a lottery in that backfield, and now he only has to battle Carrion Johnson and DeAndre Swift. Both are younger than him, but that's the same situation he was fighting in D.C. So um, I don't think he's a viable option, but if you did think he was a viable option, I think now he's even more viable. John, what about you? What do you think about this backfield? Um, I think he went from Washington where the running backs were worse to Detroit where the running backs were better and people already didn't want to start a Detroit running back just out of tradition and reflex because they never do well. So uh, I don't really see as much upside here as I did in Washington. Eric? Yeah, I think maybe he's going to get a few touchdowns, but the Lions have had one 1,000-yard rusher since 2004. I know you've made the joke that that's where running backs go to die. So – He's 35 years old, right? I don't think he's going to have much fantasy value. Maybe a bye week fill-in. Yeah, I don't think. Um, I'm glad I stayed away from that backfield even before Peterson got there, and I'm even happier I, I did now. I don't want to mess with trying to predict Swift, carry on, Adrian Peterson. I, I do think, um, you know, even though it's not the DFS show, obviously, I, I think carry on kind of an interesting play. If Swift doesn't play week one and Adrian Peterson doesn't have a full grasp of the playbook, that maybe week one carry on Johnson could be a sneaky play just for week one. But um, other outside that, I don't want anything to do with this backfield. A um, couple of bit of big signings since we were last recording. Jadavion Clowney, one year, $15 million deal with the Titans. Jadavious White re-signs with the Bills for four years, $69 million. Deshaun Watson signs a four-year deal at $39 million per season. DeAndre Hopkins agrees to a $54.5 million extension through 2024. And Kareem Hunt signs a two-year $13.5 million extension with the Browns. These were just a, a few of the big deals that have gone down over the last few days. John, any of those stick out to you as uh, something that you're going to keep an eye on going forward? Kareem Hunt, they're paying him. So now you really wonder how much that affects Nick Chubb because they gave him an extension. So obviously they expect to be giving him some carries and and probably more catches. Eric? (laughs) 
Yeah, well, I, I think John makes a good point about that. It's interesting that all of these signings happen like the week that football starts. So the, the timing is a little bit of a coincidence. The DeAndre Hopkins one, I actually really like that for both sides because DeAndre Hopkins is going to make two-year 54 mil on, on top of what he already has. I'm surprised most teams don't do that of giving out bigger contracts, but for a shorter amount of time, I think it benefits so that you get them in their productive years and you're not signing them to a five-year extension. And after year three, they tail off a little bit. So uh, I think that was a really good signing for both teams. Brad, I feel like he took the one you were going to say, because that's your guy. Is there another one that stuck out to you? He didn't actually, you know, D hop is, He's my number one wide receiver. There's there's nothing more I can say about him that hasn't been said. Um, for me, the one that sticks out is the Jadavion Clowney sighting. Um, I love it for the Titans. Uh, for whatever reason, the big knock on Clowney is he, quote, takes plays off. And even if that were true, he commands so much attention from offensive lines in the form of double teams and blocking backs and blocking tight ends that he often creates a situation for someone else to blow up plays if he doesn't do it himself. So going to a team like the Titans – that can run the ball and control the clock. He's likely to be on the field for a lot less snaps. So when he makes an impact, it's going to be even more impactful. So I love it for Tennessee. And I, I love that it's, you know, it's just a one-year deal. So for a team that thinks they're, you know, a Jadavion Clowney away from making the Super Bowl, I think that's a really great signing. It's a great defense that got better, for sure. John, I got to direct this next one at you, my friend. Lynn Bowden Jr. Well, I just wanted to say before that, just notably absent from that was uh, Kamara did not sign any sort of extension yet. So we'll see what happens. Maybe he signs it in between the recording and when we drop. But They, they are <laughs> in the talks of a record – or I don't know if it's record setting, but I think it's going to be a huge extension. But they don't have an exact number right now or what no, – they yeah. haven't signed anything. I heard it's not even going to be record set, like somewhere in between, like, you know, David Johnson and, like, Saquon. Like it's yeah, be, all know, the money's money. gone to Taysom Hill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> John, while we're with you, man, how are you feeling about Lynn Bowden Jr.? I can't remember the last time a rookie was traded. A sixth I'm, to the Dolphins. I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken. I've been saying he's a better Taysom Hill, and I still think he is. But I do think, you know, it was, it was like the third pick in the third round for the Raiders. And at some point, you got to give them at least a little bit of credit. If you think you screwed up, you just uh, cut ties and get something out of it. A lot of teams like to stick around too long on on projects. They're learning from AB last year. I uh, I actually have an opposite take. I kind of love it for LBJ. I think he's an athlete, and an athlete needs touches. Like he wasn't going to get them with the Raiders, and they didn't want to let him ride on the bench, so they traded him to a team that could use him. And I love it. I just. I hope he gets up the learning curve quickly, whether they use him at wide receiver, running back, or both, or maybe even some quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I want him to do well. I just worry he's the epitome of, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. You know, he's the third best quarterback, the fourth best running back, the seventh best wide receiver, which do- sounds great that he can do all three. But if he can't do all three well, it doesn't add up to as much. But at the end of the day, if he's going to be, you know, Corderell Patterson and just stay in the league for 14 years – doing whatever he needs to do and get him, you know, a few million every year. I think that's an awesome career. No, I'm, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. He's going to the right team. He's going to the team that featured a friend of the pod, Ronnie Brown, and made him a wildcat. So maybe he turns into their wildcat. I like that. Yeah, I like that. And uh, while we're talking about weird things, do you guys think Odell Beckham likes to be pooped on? 
Yeah, we got to edit yeah, that out. Yeah, I actually do. Odell Beckham <laughs> seems like that kind of guy. <laughs> Brad, I want to hear your take. I'm uh, no kink shaming on this side of the woods. I respect, <laughs> I respect whatever he's into. I saw uh, this. I feel the same. I saw this best tweet. It's like Odell Beckham is the Cleveland steamer. Well, <laughs> just it just goes. To, there's something. There's something about uh, you know diva wide receivers and this sort of thing. Chad Johnson drank urine. OBJ. Oh yeah. Gets pooped on. <laughs> hey, whatever. Different strokes for different folks. You know, like I don't. I don't judge. I'm with Brad. No judgment <laughs> on the triple play. Maybe it's the secret to his power. I mean, yeah, if I could turn into a receiver like that, I'll I'll do that. I mean, but would it, should we try would you, would Let's you. have that be the question of the week. Get on if we made you a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Oh, my God, that would be a good audible. Better Was it with frequency or how often? Or yeah. <laughs> did you get into that? Oh, gosh. Well, is it like after a long weekend of drinking or <laughs> after, you know, some good fiber? I, I think you got to just take it as it like comes. This. It's a grab bag. Like this becomes like a big story because you never know if it's true and nobody's ever going to like confirm it. It's just rumors, <laughs> gossip constantly. Well, I hope you like hearing about poop because you like what you're hearing so far. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking <laughs> the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball show that you can also check out anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about making us the 1.01 of podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Triple Fantasy. Eric and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, gifts, quote tweets like no one's business, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Remember that feeling when your balls dropped for the first time and you shouted that your voice was all of a sudden deep? That was exciting, wasn't it? That's the same excitement we want to bring to you on this podcast. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. Week one preview. Yeah! We're here. Let's talk some football. In two days, the Kansas City Chiefs will be taking on the Houston Texans on Texans on Thursday night football. And I got to start off this preview with the Thursday night game because it's my Chiefs. And in normal circumstances, you'd have a ruckus Arrowhead Stadium on opening night, rocking and making it crazy hard for the Texans to win this game. The Chiefs are going to be one of two teams to have attendance in week one at 22 percent. The Jags will have 25 percent capacity. Houston is going to be looking for vengeance after blowing a 24-point lead, which I oh so loved during their playoff game. The Chiefs are currently right now nine-point favorites in this one, and for good reason. I expect a motivated Chiefs team to come out there and ball, but I also expect a team looking for vengeance like the Texans to come out there and ball as well. And so I want to first just talk about a couple of Chiefs players. Mahomes is going to Mahomes, so no, no need to overanalyze that. I expect for the first week that – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will share some touches with Daryl Williams. I don't expect it to be the full CEH show right away week one. I do think he'll get the majority of touches, but don't be don't shy away from CEH if he just gets a little bit of uh, sharing work in the first game. And this is the type of game where Sammy Watkins will come out. He comes out at the weirdest times. Opening night, he's the one player you're not focusing on. I would keep an eye on Sammy Watkins. And other than that, you're going to play Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. 
On the Texans side, obviously you're going to start Deshaun Watson. The question is right now, Brandon Cooks is on the injury report, and I think he's going to play. It's kind of one of them or both, Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, I would expect to have good games because the Chiefs corners are complete garbage, and I would think that they're not good. It's going to be a high-scoring game regardless. I would trust David Johnson. The Chiefs aren't great uh, as far as uh, running backs. They were actually in the bottom of the league last year in running back points. So David Johnson should be a good play. Uh, This is a good game to have players in is my main point. I don't expect – a too low of a scoring game with this one and um, fire up your, fire up your players for this game. That's all I got to say for that. Let's move to the next game on the list here. And we're sticking now with Sunday one o'clock games. And we're going to start that off, Eric Packers and Vikings. So I think this, I think this is going to be a low scoring game. The over under is at 45 and I look at the last Packer three season openers uh, they've scored 10, 24, and 17. Um, I think both teams got worse this offseason. The Packers didn't really do anything to improve during the draft. Uh, I think with the Vikings, they lost Stephon Diggs, and Justin Jefferson isn't ready to replace him yet. The defense lost some key pieces, even though they got Yannick. Uh, I think it's going to be a really run-heavy approach from both teams. I think you're going to see a lot of Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. And for the Packers, you're going to see Aaron Jones and – a little bit of A.J. Dillon sprinkled in there, probably some Jamal Williams as well. The only people I'd feel confident starting besides the running backs are both wide receiver ones. I think Adams and Thielen are going to get a lot of targets. There's not a clear number two wide receiver for both teams. Ultimately, I think the Vikings are going to win. They've had really strong season open openers. Last year, they blew out the Falcons. The year before that, they beat the Saints on Monday Night Football. So if you're betting on that, I'd say go Vikings money line. Cannot wait for the Aaron Rodgers slander to start once he loses this game. He might, he might get hurt. He's gotten hurt like twice against the Vikings, like when Anthony Barr broke his collarbone and I think another time. So just doesn't have good luck against him. Eric, are you really high on Dalvin Cook this week because the Packers' run defense was so god-awful last year? I think Dalvin Cook will get a short touchdown, but I had him as my running back 14, so I feel like that'd be really contradictory to be like, oh, I'm fading him, but he's going to have a really good week one. I think he'll probably have, you know, 21 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown, and a few catches for maybe 20-something yards. Okay, fair enough. John, take us to our next game, Dolphins at the Patriots. So for this one, I wanted to maybe try somebody under the radar like a Nikhil Harry. Um, If you needed to fill in a wide receiver, you really shouldn't week one, especially if you listen to us and filled out your roster with studs rather than – a bunch of uh, maybe players who might go off. But if you do need someone, he's not going to be a bad option. Uh, He might link up with Cam. And the Dolphins gave up the second most fantasy points to wide receivers last year. So that just leads right into Edelman. Uh, But, you know, if you really were searching for somebody, that would be Nikhil Harry. And that was a stat. You heard it right. John's stat of the night. (laughs) Coming out early. (laughs) <laughs> I would I would sit Devontae Parker. I know he went off against uh, Gilmore last year, but I think Gilmore's just too good, and he's going to be even more motivated that I think that that is too scary of a matchup for somebody like Devontae Parker, who's inconsistent at best already. I do like Jordan Howard 
uh, as a running back option here. The Pats had a really depleted interior defense, you know, whether they went elsewhere or they opted out for COVID. So I think Jordan Howard will have a good job pounding it in there. And I do think Cam will uh, have, you know, a pretty average game. Uh, maybe he's a little tense in his first, but I think he gets salvaged by some rushing yards. So I'd give him a start too. Music to Brad's ears, I know. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter think that the Dolphins are going to upset the Patriots as a popular week one pick. I see it. If it's magic, you never know. Is it an upset if it's a popular pick? Uh, they're the <laughs> underdogs, so technically, yes. Brad, Eagles at your Washington football team. Break this down for us. Yeah, this is a rough one for me. Uh, the sports books have the Eagles as a six-point favorite, and to be honest, I'd probably take the Eagles by a wider margin than that if I had to. Uh, Haskins had a rough rookie year, understandably, and I expect them to be much better this year. But it's hard when your number one receiver is going to be have uh, be covered by Darius Slay all day, and that's not a good sign considering the Eagles had a stout rush defense last year, so they're likely to have to air it out to keep the pace with the Eagles. Um, I expect them to do a lot of dumping off to Antonio Gibson and Logan Thomas, some J.D. McKissick, which isn't something I can say can confidently win you an NFL game. And Miles Sanders also had the biggest game of his career last year against Washington. So I expect similar results this weekend, which also means the Eagles are probably going to control the clock. So the Eagles have the top offensive lines in the league. So even even though the Washington defense got a lot better through the draft and their players last year, I don't think they're going to be able to win the game on their own. So... I really like the Eagles for this one. Brad, if you're starting Carson Wentz, are you scared with that Redskins or the football team pass rush, or are you starting him with confidence? You know, I, I'm i not high on Wentz, and I never really have been. Um, if I was going to choose an offensive player to start from that Eagles offense, it would probably be Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard, um, or even maybe even Miles Sanders. But I think it's going to be a – a lot from the passing attack and kind of the running attack controlling the clock. So I'd, I'd go tight ends and running backs there. All right, let's move to our next game. The Jets at the Bills for the second year in a row. The Bills and Jets will play week one. Hopefully the winning team will score more than 19 points in this game because no one wants to see a team with 19 points win a game in this day and age. The Jets have a really good defensive line that I think um, is going to be a little bit of a problem for Josh Allen but I think that's going to affect more of the running game. And I think it's going to have to put the ball in his hands more. You look at the Jets who have CJ Mosley opt out and Jamal Adams get traded. So that secondary can definitely be had. And I don't see them being able to cover Stefan Diggs at all in this first game. I think the Bills receivers will feast. If they choose to double Diggs, then look for John Brown to have a really good game. Again, it's going to kind of be them picking their poison. New York is starting Chris Hogan as one of their wide receivers for week one, if you want to hear their wide receiving situation. So if you're going to start any Jets, I would definitely start Jamison Crowder. He's going to get the bulk of the looks of the air. Le'Veon Bell is going to get enough touches to be relevant. And then Chris Herndon's a nice uh, – he's been talked about as a sleeper throughout the offseason. I would expect him to be involved somewhat in the passing game um, and potentially if they get in close, him being the one thrown to in the end zone. But outside those three, I'm not touching any Jets player. That includes Darnold. The Bills have arguably the best defense in football, and I think it's going to just be an ugly, ugly game for the Jets, especially because it's in Buffalo. So if you have a Jet, I would start Crowder, I would start Bell, and I would be 50-50 on starting Hurden. That would be about it. If you have the Bills, I would start Josh Allen with confidence. 
I would start Steph Diggs. I would start John Brown. And I'm, I'm a little hesitant about their running backs for this game just because of that good jet ski line. But if you have Singletary um, or you have Zach Moss, unless you have really good depth, you're probably starting one of them. So um, I would just be a little more cautious with those guys. It's funny that you faded Diggs and you're like, oh, yeah, start him week one. Fire him up. I just feel like I don't like a player. Well, he faded him for this for this season, Eric. Not for week one. He didn't. He didn't do his rankings based on week one. Yeah, but week one is like the the strong foot going forward. Keep in mind, though, also with an off season where there was no preseason games and they haven't really tackled, that the offense is going to be at such an advantage because the defense is going to be a lot more gassed out. They haven't really gotten up to speed with actually playing real football games and that they're going to have problems just, again, I think just the, the not having tackled, I think they're going to – the offense is at a big advantage week one. And Especially with again, the Bills kind of smash mouth. If Josh Allen doesn't hit you, it's going to be Devin Singletary or Zach Moss. Like, it's that's going to be rough for defenses early on. Yeah, so I, I've been – definitely if you're picking, pick the Bills over. I don't have it in front of me, but um, those are the guys I would play. Let's move to our next game here. And we are looking, Eric, at the Colts at the Jags. So I think, I think this is the Colts are going to run the ball a lot. The Jags had a porous rush defense last year. They lose Calais Campbell. They, they lose Yannick. Um, I, for DFS, I think Marlon Mack is going to be a really good play. I think everybody is expecting the Jonathan Taylor show. And I think the Colts are going to run, run away with it kind of early. I think they're not going to want to get him too many hits to begin. They're, they're going to want to get him some NFL action, but I think it's going to be the Marlon Mack show. Last year, week one, he had 25 for 174 and one touchdown. So they fed him a lot week one and week two. I think the Jags are going to throw a lot. They are starting James Robinson. They just announced today. I think it's kind of a rotating door at running back. Uh, Chris Thompson will probably get some looks. Uh, Ogazebo will probably get some looks as well. But the Colts have a bad secondary. Uh, they traded for DeForest Buckner to shore up that run defense. And I think the Jags are going to want to see what they have in Gardner Minshew this year. And they're going to give him the entire season to see if, if he can sling it. So I think it's going to be very, very pass-heavy on the Jags' end. Hey, Eric, if you think um, if you think Minshew was, like, really good, like, like let's say he had a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl season. Do you think that would still take Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, unless he has a really bad college season, if there is one, is touted as such a high prospect. I don't think you can pass that up. I do think it's a thing where Minshew's ceiling is sneaking into the Pro Bowl, and you got to sort of go with Lawrence. (laughs) He might be the best backup. I mean, he was drafted last year as a backup, and they paid Nick Foles that big contract. So, so that know. confuses me. It's like if they're tanking, you should probably trade your best player, which is probably a Pro Bowl player. Like, why do they still have Minshew if they want to go get Lawrence no matter what? Maybe they want to drive up his trade value, display him a little bit, and then ship him and get you know maybe a third-round pick. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. I mean, they should be an aired-out team this year. They're not going to be ahead enough to go to run the ball. So men should help Minshew's value, at least his statistics. Let's move to our next game here. And, John, your Las Vegas Raiders at the Carolina Panthers. Break it down for us. Yes, sir. I mean, I'm not going to touch on Christian McCaffrey. He's going to do, you know, what Christian McCaffrey does. Uh, that's 
pretty blatant, easy start. I do need to mention my must start of the week, Darren Waller, uh, my number three tight end with two rookie wide receivers uh, starting for Oakland. Carr is going to go to him early and often because he's going to be his trusted target. And I've been waffling back and forth, but I think for the specific week one, if you had to choose one of the Raiders rookie wide receivers, you go Brian Edwards. They're going to try and take the top off the defense, and he's going to sneak in there, and he's going to get uh, first down catches and touchdown catches. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore obviously have a ton of upside in this game. The Raiders uh, have a very young secondary in addition to their very young wide receiver core, a very young team in general. So there's a lot of room there for Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore to work. Uh, Overall, I think the Raiders jump out to a big lead, and as they tend to do, they get very conservative with a lead, and they will burn the clock off with Josh Jacobs, which only increases his value as he just gets carries on carries on carries to end games. Yeah, I think the Panthers had the worst run defense in the NFL last year, so this will be a could be a big Josh Jacobs game for sure. I I think they jump out. uh, They jump out early, and then it's just pound the rock. It's Derek Carr season with no Mariota. For only three weeks. He's on the, the mini IR for three oh, weeks. <laughs> at we'll least three weeks. Yeah, at least. But, you know, that's not week seven when I said he was going to start. I was going to ask when it was. <laughs> I, okay, so the prediction's still alive. I, I'm still holding to the prediction. All right, Brad, Bears at the Lions in this NFC North matchup. Who you got and who's relevant? Gosh, that's an ugly game. Yeah, it's not one I'm going to be watching. Uh, sports books have the Lions as a three-point favorite. Um, I also favor the Lions here. They traded away Darius Slay, and they got Jeff Okuda and Desmond Trufant to replace him, and I think that's going to be a tough matchup for Trubisky and Allen Robinson, uh, as Robinson's really their only established playmaking receiver. Um, so because of that, I expect a lot of work for from uh, Montgomery and Cohen receiving out of the backfield. And I don't think that matches up well with the healthy Matt Stafford that has Galladay, Jones, and Hawkinson to choose from as they can really run the score up. So I don't like the Bears' chances in this one. I don't think the defense is going to be able to contain uh, the Lions' offense, and i definitely take the Lions over in this one. Do you feel that um, our friend Mr. Ian Hartz, uh, is there any chance Cordero Patterson gets involved? I'm very low on Cordero Patterson. I... I definitely think he's going to be involved. I'm sure I'll get his touches. They wouldn't have made such a big deal about him over this offseason if they weren't going to use him. But um, I don't think he's a game changer in any respect. So, yeah, I'm still going to give the Lions this one. All right. That, that should be a interesting game. I, I think it's going to be one of the, unless you're a fan, probably one of the games people don't watch with all these other great matchups. Speaking of another great matchup, let's go to one of our last 1 o'clock games here. The Browns at the Ravens. First game of the season after their disappointing playoff loss last year. I would really hate to be the Browns in this matchup. I think the Browns are going to be improved, have more stability at the helm. They have a much improved offensive line. But I think the Ravens are going to score lots and lots of points in this one. The Browns have already lost a couple players for the year, injured reserve. Um, Players that were going to contribute on the back end of the defense. The Ravens are right now eight and a half points favorites and I think are going to be the highest scoring team in the week in the uh, one o'clock slate. And again, don't need to analyze Lamar Jackson. He's Lamar Jackson. I do think Hollywood Brown gets a long touchdown in this game. I just think that he's, he's 
added 20 pounds this offseason. I think he's trying to become the go-to target in that offense that Mark Andrews was last year. So I think he, he steps out in a big way this first week. And I think that the run game is heavily uh, influenced in this game. So Mark Ingram definitely gets in the end zone. Maybe even J.K. Dobbins comes in there and gets in the end zone. Um, I think a couple rushing touchdowns, Lamar Jackson dazzles. Um, and the Browns will put up some points too, but I, I, I could see it being an easily of a, a 42 to 21 type of game or 42, 24 game. Uh, the Ravens come out firing on all is cylinders. The game in Baltimore? It is. Well, that's where the Browns won last year. And I know because I lost on that survivor pool pick. I've also, <laughs> I've also been saying this, Gus Edwards is going to get some carries. Everybody's rushing to get J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards last year had 33 carries and averaged 5.9 yards per carry in the final two games. I think J.K. Dobbins is the future because Mark Ingram's on the final year of that contract, and I don't think they re-sign him unless they can get him for really cheap. But I don't think Gus Edwards is going to fall that far out of the pecking order. I think even Hill's going to get some carries too. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be a party. I think that Lamar Jackson guy might get a few carries too. Right, exactly. Maybe. So basically we're all on, on the Ravens offense week one. That's what it sounds like. Um, Eric, you got to talk about your favorite team next, the last one o'clock game on the slate, Seahawks at Falcons. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. What's interesting is I think everybody remembers that Seattle used to be the toughest place to win. They actually – have an okay record at home over the past couple of years, but they were seven and one on the road last year, including a 27 to 20 victory in Atlanta. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. The Falcons, the last four uh, home games or the last four games of the season scored 28, 24, 29 and 40 and ended the season six and two. I think for, you're going to really want to look at the receivers, especially the big ones. Last year, DK Metcalf, I remember predicting this as a good DFS play. He had three, for 13 and two touchdowns. I think he's going to be a red zone threat. The Falcons highest or tallest corners, I think six, one and DK Metcalf is six, four. I think Julio is going to get a lot of targets too. Uh, I don't see the running game being used as much. Both running backs, Todd Gurley and Chris Carson are having a little bit of working their way back from injury or probably won't get a full workload right away. And both teams play in tough divisions. I think the NFC South and the NFC West are viewed as probably two of the top three divisions in football. So I think both teams are going to want to get out to a hot start, and I think it's going to be shootout potential. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's the highest um, over-under or the highest yeah, the highest points uh, slate that game. Um, hopefully the Seahawks lose. Shout out, John Johnson. You're texting me now. You're my friend, but I'd love if the Seahawks went 0-1. No Aaron, name before, drops. <laughs> before we move to uh, the next one, he said no name drops. <laughs> before we move to the, the next one, Aaron, free clout. you talked about their wide receiver ones. Do you see Lockett and Ridley having a big impact on this game? Lockett, not as much. He led the league in red zone targets last year, and I think that's going to regress. He's had amazing efficiency. I think Calvin, Calvin Ridley could get a long touchdown. I don't like that as much because I think Jamal Adams helps stir up that Seattle secondary a little bit. But I think Julio is just going to come out cooking. I think the tallest corner the Seahawks have is 6-2. I just see that being, you know, anytime it's going to be a high scoring game. And I think 
Anytime that they're close to scoring, they're just going to throw it up to those tall receivers. That, that just sounds like it's average height for quarterback, Eric. If the quarterback, if the two teams only have six two and six one, I feel like how many how many tall, lanky quarter quarterbacks are there really? Yeah, I mean, but you usually don't have that many tall receivers, and so that's a two to three difference in height. Now imagine you're throwing the ball up, and you added a few extra inches if their wingspan is longer. So hey, if if PJ if PJ Tucker's shown us anything in basketball, it's not how tall you are. <laughs> That's true. The dog in you. But I just, you're saying it's a shootout potential high scoring game, but steer clear of everybody but Julio and DK Metcalf, apparently. I mean, you're going to start Gurley and Carson because you spent an early pick on them. Yeah, but you're you're, you're downgrading Carson and Gurley. You're downgrading the backup wide receivers. You're really only talking up two receivers. How is it going to turn into a a big game? I'm I'm just saying, I think if you're going to spend a lot on DFS, I think you're going to want to get somebody like Julio and maybe DK Metcalf. Like, I think they're going to have huge games. Not saying the others aren't going to do well, but I think that they're going to be the superstars. And, uh, and obviously the quarterbacks that are throwing them the ball are going to have big games as well. They're I will on say the games. in, uh, in games where there's, you know, there's an expected, you know, a high over under, normally the, the DFS sites price up those players. So it doesn't really make sense to start all of those high scoring play or th- players you think might be high scoring in that offense. So I think it makes sense to, to target just a few players from that game. Yeah. Very good point. That's God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start an hour at the four o'clock games and John, the first four o'clock game chargers at the Bengals with a uh, Brad sweetheart, Tyrod Taylor, Running the helm for the Chargers. I should have given Brad this game. But, uh, <laughs> I know it's it's both of his sweethearts. I I think Eckler's going to feast, you know, against the, the Bengals' weak defense. I think they'll, uh, you know, they'll start running first. They'll start running second. They'll start running third because once they get the lead, they'll just try and hold on to it with conservative short passes to Eckler and runs with Eckler, which kind of pays dividends to Tyrod Taylor as well. So I think he has some a good bit of upside here. Of the receivers on Cincinnati, I'd steer clear of A.J. Green. Uh, I've been reading he hasn't really been practicing a, a whole ton with Burrow at training camp, and a rookie is going to want to go to somebody he's been throwing before, I'm sure. So I think Tyler Boyd uh, could be the guy there, and he's liable to have a big game with Derwin James out, you know, weakening the upper part of that secondary there. John, are you concerned the Chargers have arguably the best one-two corner combo in the league? with uh, Casey Hayward and Chris Harris. Are you um, are you confident that you should play any Bengals wide receiver outside Boyd? I, I, I'd only play Boyd. Okay. And I think only on the strength that they're not going to have any help over the top with Derwin James or, or any real run support with Derwin James. or there's It gets opened up a little bit more. Brad, I know um, – this is the team of a bunch of your breakout guys. Is there anything you want to add about this game? No, I, I think John did a great job talking about how there's kind of a matchup deficiency for the Bengals there. And I really expect the Chargers to kind of go off and be a high scoring offense this year. I'll say um, the short dump offs, while I think a lot of them will go to Eckler, I think Hunter Henry is also a guy that's going to get a lot of intermediate throws and targets to him. And uh, just the way that, Tyrod Taylor utilized Charles Clay in Buffalo. I think Hunter Henry will get that same sort of uh, bump, and he's also kind of a better talent. So I think Hunter Henry is also a guy to look out for. All right, Brad, we're going to stick with you for the next 4 o'clock game. This one's going to be a doozy. 
Buccaneers at the yeah, Saints. <laughs> Go ahead, break it down. So the Saints, three-and-a-half-point favorites. I can't wait to watch this game, and it's probably going to terrify me to bet on it, so I probably won't. Uh, it's probably a waste of time to talk about the defenses on either side of this game. Um, everybody knows Tom Brady is in the building now, and while I can't blame folks for thinking it's an upgrade over Jameis, I think it's only an upgrade in the turnover department, really. Um, they're probably good enough to win close games now with Brady because he's used to it, but I can't expect them or imagine them to have the same shootout offense that Jameis was running simply because Brady's air yards per target were 40% shorter than Jameis's last year. So I just don't think he's that kind of quarterback anymore. Um, the Saints will likely put up the amount of points that take Fournette and Rojo out of the game. So if I'm projecting lower scoring for the Bucks and higher scoring for the Saints with the return of a healthy Kamar and Breeze, I'm probably siding with Vegas on this one and expecting the Saints to win. Right. Is any part of you scared because the Bucks had the best run defense in the NFL last year that if you're starting Camaro that you'll have to bank that he scores a short touchdown to be relevant? Uh, not really, because I've never viewed Kamara as like this deadly running back on the ground. It's always been through the air for him. You know, he's catching it on a slant or he's catching it out of the backfield. And, you know, he's getting five to eight receptions a game, plus, you know, whatever he gets on the ground. They give him, they love to give him those short goal line carries. Um, and if it's not him, it's going to be Latavius Murray. Like, I, I just don't think they're going to have any problems scoring. I'd be interested to see if there's a prop bet for which Tampa Bay running back is going to get the first carry. Like, is it going to be Rojo? Is it going to be yeah. Fournette? Are they just going to throw us the prize and put LaShawn McCoy in there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad and that's Arians, another back. I has been, like, so – he's not telling anybody, like, who's going to get the I, most carries I or thought anything. I, I thought I saw him say that Rojo's the guy. Well, that, that really that, means – And then he said, like, Fournette Fournette's going to have a solid – a solid amount of work. And he also said, LaShawn McCoy is going to get work. Like he, he's not really saying anything, but everybody's going to touch the ball. It's a true good head coach. When they leave the I defense mean, have no idea what's coming. They yeah. get, they should get three touches every d- drive. Cause Brady's going to go three and out every time. It's possible. Again, <laughs> that's why it's, it's good to stay away from these messy backfields. I'm glad I don't, I mean, one of them ends up rising above the rest. They'll be relevant, but it's definitely stressful if you have Fournette or Ronald Jones or any of those guys from the messy backfields. But let's go to Eric. Your 49ers are hosting the Cardinals at 425, the last 4 o'clock game. What do you think is going to happen in this game? So this pains me to say it. I think the Cardinals are going to win. I think that's going to be the week one upset. That plus seven is juicy. So last year, the 49ers won 28-25 and 36-26, to but they scored a touchdown on the last play, so they really should have won by three. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game as well. The 49ers, their cornerbacks outside Richard Sherman are awful, and Sherman will probably do a decent job covering DeAndre Hopkins. I think they're still going to try to throw his way because it's his new, it's his debut in the new offense. But I expect a big game from Christian Kirk. He's going to torch whoever is guarding him, whether it's Emmanuel Mosley, Akello Weatherspoon, if Jason Verrett is healthy. I expect a big day for George Kittle as well. We all know how bad Arizona was against the tight ends last year. The 49er receiving core is kind of banged up. I think Raheem Mostert is going to start out and get a lot of carries, even though I think it will eventually be somewhat of a running back by committee. But I I do think that he'll be the lead back, but... 
Hopefully I'm wrong, but my gut feeling says that the Cardinals will win. All right, I got a question. Who scores more points in week one, Kyler Murray or Tom Brady? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Are you really asking me if my number three quarterback would outscore my number 15 quarterback on the year? And my number one <laughs> quarterback. In week one. In week one. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I meant. Up for the week. ES- ESPN projections have Brady outscoring Kyler Murray week one. I'll tell you this. Nah. I don't think DeAndre, got, DeAndre Hopkins got that big money because he's looking like he's a bad connection with Kyler Murray. Like, I think it looks great in practice and – his track record speaks for itself, and I think they're just going to have a blowout season where he might get 5,000 yards. And I think with Kyler, too, he's going to get some yards with his legs, which is going to put up more fantasy numbers than Tom Brady would. Oh, Brady's a 1,000-yard rusher, man. For the career, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Eric, the one thing I will say, I know the Cardinals were really bad against tight ends last year, but I think that's exactly why they drafted Isaiah Simmons. I think they're literally just going to match him up on tight ends and let him just go one-on-one. I, I do expect the Cardinals to be a little bit better against tight ends than they were last year. I think that they envision him being like a Tyron Matthew and just all over the field, guard the tight ends one-on-one, kind of like Eric Berry was doing with the Chiefs too when he was shutting down Gronk. I, I just I, I think that – People are going to assume that Kittle's going to have a monster day, but I, I'm putting a little bit of a pause on that just personally. Is I think Eric he's going to have a good day. I'm sorry, Brad. Is, uh, is Eric Berry playing this year? No, he's still not playing. That's because an unlucky COVID. guy. No, he's just, he didn't play last year, and he didn't play this year. I don't think teams are giving him uh, enough money that he's worth for him playing. So. And he beat yeah, Luke too. They don't care about that. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm. Let's move to the Sunday night game, which I'm actually really excited about. The Cowboys at the Rams. And this is going to be a nice show on turf because, uh, whoa, buddy, man. It's like, I, I, Brad, you can tell me more than anyone. Uh, was it on Hard Knocks where they say that turf moves fast? Was that the quote? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So under the bright Sunday night lights on this fast turf, I think it's going to be so many points scored in this game. As, as there are a lot of other games also. But um, the only things I'm noting is Cowboys lost a couple of players. They lost uh, Byron Jones, their elite cornerback, to free agency. They also are going to be out without Lyle Collins, who was ranked as the fourth best tackle by PFF last year. And so I think other than that, the Cowboys should be good to go. I do think it's interesting because there are half the people saying Amari Cooper was just hampered by injuries last year. and. Cooper. Amari Cooper, and that's why he was he was so horrible versus number one corners. And then there's the or side he's like, just an inconsistent wide receiver. <laughs> but then there's the other side that says, oh well, you know, he's just he's good unless he's playing a really good corner, and then he sucks. So he's healthy. He's going against Jalen Ramsey, who's a top three corner, maybe top one corner. So if you're on the side that thinks he can't play against good number one corners, this is Ceedee Lamb and Michael Gallup territory to just ball out while. Jalen Ramsey holds down Amari Cooper. And I'm right now, I'm actually in a very tough dilemma. I have Terry McLaurin in my flex right now, and I have C.D. Lamb as my first receiver off the bench, and I'm very tempted to flip-flop that and put C.D. Lamb as my flex week one. Just as Brad Absolutely. said earlier, with Darius Slay guarding McLaurin as the only major option in the passing game. So I think if, if you have any of these players, you're obviously firing them up. I think the one big question for this game is the Rams' backfield. 
And if you have Cam Akers, you're a little nervous. I, I don't think you put Malcolm Brown in there, even though he's supposed to start. He could start, get the first carry, two carries, and then be out of the game. So I'm I'm not starting Malcolm Brown. And Daryl Henderson's obviously uh, might not even play week one. I'd probably start Cam Akers unless you have a lot of better options at running back. If you're in a 12-team or big or larger league, you probably don't. Um, but just be in, tape in mind that Cam Akers might take him a few games before he's more relevant than he might be in week one. But um, it should be a great game. This will definitely be one I'll be watching. Let's move to the Monday night games to finish this out. We got two of them this week. And, John, we got the Steelers at the Giants. This should be, should be uh, I can speak English. This one should be fun. Yeah, I mean, Evan Ingram can't get hurt the first game, right? Like, he's going to play the whole game, right? <laughs> but uh, I, I do think he is going to have a big game. Uh, with the pressure coming at Daniel Jones, he's going to find him as his release valve. And, like I said, injury worries, that's later in the season. Week one, he plays the whole week one in my book. <laughs> And then uh, with that, um, I do think Big Ben is going to look a little bit rusty uh, recovering from injury, Uh, you know, especially that's a long time off. He doesn't have any preseason games to sort of shake the rust off. Um, I know he's a veteran, but uh, I do think that sort of downplays uh, his receivers as well as him and sort of puts the the lead to James Conner, who I think is going to lead the Steelers really from an offensive perspective. I do think Daniel Jones is going to turn it over a ton, but I also think he's going to, you know, Jameis Winston another ton too and make up for it that way. I'm interested to watch this game and see the return of Big Ben and how he looks. That's going to be something interesting to see after their abysmal year. Obviously, Saquon's a must-start. I didn't even bother touching on that, but he's a must-start, obviously. Brad, let's get to our last game here, and we have a bonus second Monday night game. The Titans at the Broncos in mile high. Um, interesting teams here. I think um, Titans obviously were in the AFC Championship game last year, and Broncos are seen as a team that could really make a big leap this year. Who do you think is relevant in this game? Yeah, this one was interesting. I think the Broncos are probably the only team in the entire league that it's actually going to have a home field advantage this year because they still have the high altitude. So the fans, you know, they have less of an impact. But um, this was still a quick one for me. Uh, the Titans are only one-point favorites as of today. And as much as I like Jerry Judy and KJ and Fant, I don't have I don't love a young quarterback against the defense now that has Clo- uh, Clowney to couple with Malcolm Butler and Jackson and Vaccaro and Bird. So not only do they have a tough matchup in the secondary, but the Titans are likely to control the clock through Derrick Henry. So if the, Bron- uh, the Broncos can't score enough through the air, which I think will be difficult, I find it highly unlikely that Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay can make up the difference there. So I, I just like the Titans big in this one. Can you imagine having to tackle Derrick Henry after basically not doing much contact all offseason? That's the first player you have to go tackle. It's going to be terrible. Like I, I just I can't see the Titans not controlling the clock, and I can't see the Broncos' air attack actually – overpowering what the Titans have going in their secondary. And speaking of Derrick Henry, he had a great offseason workout video, and we know John loves those. No, no, no. David's the one who sees somebody uh, make a move in no pads on a, on a cornerback, and, oh, this guy's a wide receiver's a stud. He's going to be great. 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire, <laughs> did you see him in the ladder? Did you see his knees moving? He's going to be so good. No respect for my analysis, just my one comment on their workout videos. <laughs> Is it me or do the Broncos always play on Monday night? They did last year, the Raiders. Yeah. Usually the Raiders and Broncos and Chargers. I feel like the Chiefs never do, but I feel like it's always an AFC West team for sure. I honestly think um, it's going to be a boring game to watch. I wish they would have poor, uh, put like the the Bucks and Saints on Monday night. Well, well, I have good news for you. The game's at 11 o'clock, so you don't even have to watch it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's a great discussion, fellas. We're going to have this all season long, helping you guys win your leagues, helping you win your matchups. So uh, hope you enjoy week one analysis, and next week we'll be able to kind of reflect and look forward. Let's look now to our question of the week. Question of the week is sponsored by no one other than Manscaped. Manscaped, it, what can I say? You know, we've talked so much about this great product, their lawnmower 3.0. You know, it's ceramic blade, skin safe technology, waterproof, LED light, 90 minutes of charging. But they've also got all this other crazy stuff. They got their shears 2.0, another iteration on iteration, a great nail kit. Nobody likes janky nails. Fix it up. You know, nobody likes janky toenails. Fix those up. Who knows? Maybe OBJ is in defeat, too. Uh, the perfect package 3.0. It's this carrying case. It can contain all these great things that you can purchase with them. The crop preserver, the crop reviver, deodorant, toner. It's all there. And you can put it in their perfect package 3.0. It's a really convenient carrying case. Uh, can fit it all. And a limited time, subscribers get not one. But two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. I know everybody's worn them at this point since they sent us the package. They're definitely really comfortable. Um, so that's a crazy deal. In addition to the 20% off and free shipping with the code triple play at manscaped.com, again, 20% off and free shipping using the code triple play at manscaped.com. I will live and die. That ball deodorant is a, is a game changer. I wear the boxers <laughs> twice a week, so I just have to do an extra load of laundry. I was going to say, I hope you're doing your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> well, our question this week, sponsored by Manscaped, what team did that did not make the playoffs in 2019 will make it in 2020? John, who are you looking at? This is going to sound as a super homer pick, but the Raiders went seven and nine last year. They only improved the defense. They added linebackers. They added secondary. They added defensive tackles. They only improved the offense. Derek Carr only getting more comfortable and more conservative. But at that, that's what they went seven and nine. All of a sudden, people think they're going to go, you know, three and thirteen or something, or you know, five and eleven when they only got better. And there's a new playoff spot, an extra play wild card spot. I think they're primed to make the jump. You know, nine and seven is a wild card team with an extra wild card spot. You're predicting a Raiders playoff spot with their car at the helm. Partial at the helm. Partially at the helm. <laughs> All right. Doc, who are you taking? 
So I feel like the obvious choice is the Bucks, and I'm going to leave that for one of you guys to take. I'm going to say the Steelers. They haven't been worse than 8-8 eight and eight under Mike Tomlin's tenure. You figure Big Ben coming back, their QB play can't be worse than last year. I think their wide receiver core is deep with Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Chase Claypool. And that defense changed after they got Minka Fitzpatrick. So you look at him being there for the entire season. I think the Ravens will win that division, but I think the Steelers will get a wild card spot. All right. I think that's a, that's a fair enough point. I think the Steelers definitely are going to be a lot better this year. Brad, who are you looking at? For me, I think it's Dallas. Um, I think everybody in that division kind of got worse with the exception of Washington and they're a little bit too far away to be considered a, a playoff team. Um, Dallas got better with the addition of CD lamb. I think they got better at tight end, uh, getting rid of Jason Wooden and, and putting, uh, uh, Blake Jarwin in his place. Um, the defense is always kind of middling. And if, you know, Randy Gregory comes around and some of the other guys they have come around, I think they can be a, a really great defense. So, um, I see no reason why Dallas can't win the division this year. You know, whenever we do the question of the week, I always get through the first two, and then the third guy takes mine. It's every time. <laughs> John, it's usually – I usually go to you third, and you always will take it. This time it was Brad. Uh, Dallas was mine because they were also – they were fourth in DVOA, which I think is my favorite defensive metric. Their offense is already ridiculous, but the defensive adjusted value over average um, shows a really good kind of representation of how a defense plays. And if their defense is that good with this offense – I don't see them not making the playoffs. But to be different, the Indianapolis Colts, I think they're a team that that division, you have the Texans and you have the tight. The Jags are the easiest team to uh, play this year. They get to play them twice. Colts have the best offensive line in the NFL. They've got two good running backs that are going to run behind that offensive line to keep each one fresh. And they have a good pass catching back in Naheem Hines to keep Phil Rivers comfortable if he wants to throw it to the running back. Bill Rivers, I'm not saying is a great quarterback, but if you give him that much time, I do think he's going to have a lot better season than he did last year. And again, when you're in arguably the worst division in football, I do think, um, or maybe the second behind the NFC East, I think um, the Colts are just primed to make a big push this year. And I think they're going to be that team that nobody wants to see when they get into the playoffs. I so think that the, uh, the Chargers are also a sleeper pick. I could see them swapping places with uh, Houston since they definitely mm-hmm. got worse after I, leaving. It's just crazy to me. Everybody discounts the Raiders so quickly. They added two defensive <laughs> players who got elected as their captains. They're just you know, a cursed franchise. Huh? I said they're a cursed franchise. Not cursed. New stadium, man. They, I was about to say, the stadium is the best in the league. <laughs> and, and, yeah, it gets to be empty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's move to our last part of the show, our game of the week. And Eric is hosting the game this week, so what are we playing? All right, well, this was really popular with our baseball show last week. And it's a little bit of a different variation of the Twitter game. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read uh, NFL players' bio. This can be a current or a former player. And I'm going to give you four options, and you have to guess – whose bio that is. is. Is this like their Wikipedia bio? No, no, Twitter bio. Oh, Twitter bio. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> All right. There's going to so be some weird stuff. David, John, Brad, and then rotate. And I got 10, que- 10 of them, okay? All right. The first one, Savage Season BN. 
is that James Harrison, Tom Savage, Leonard Fournette, or Deshaun Jackson? David, we're starting with you. I'm pretty sure it's one of the last two. Um, I think it's Leonard Fournette. Okay. John? I'm going – no, I was going to go Deshaun Jackson, but I remember um, we saw something where he called himself an entrepreneur in his bio or something, which (laughs) I don't think he knew exactly what an entrepreneur does. But um, So I don't think it's him. I'm going to go with James Harrison. And Brad? I'm also going James Harrison. It is Leonard Fournette. You guys know? David's one for one. You can't let him win. Oh, yeah. I'm on on a streak, man. I've been doing well. Number number two, the toughest part of getting to the top of the ladder is getting through the crowd at the bottom. Hashtag undeniable truth. Hashtag destined for greatness. Hashtag Godspeed. Hashtag YM. John, is it Chris Godwin, Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, or A.J. Brown? I like how you just kept it with one position. But, it's a um, receiver. Yeah. There's not many that I would say God's beating. It's like, oh, it's not a skill position player. Yeah, yeah. I'll go, I'll go A.J. Brown. Brad? I'm going Godwin. David? I'm going Godwin as well because of the Godspeed Godwin. Uh, that's where I knew I would get you guys. It's actually Poop Boy Odell Beckham. I found, this, <laughs> oh, wow. I found this before I knew that he liked to get pooped on. So uh, big old X for everyone. Okay, the next one, and Brad, we're beginning with you. A lion doesn't concern himself Ooh. with the thoughts of sheep. The opinions, he put the quote. <laughs> the fourth Migo. Is it Xavier Howard, Rashad Perryman, Darius Slayton, or is Richard Sherman that arrogant enough where he's going to quote himself in his Twitter bio? I'm going to go with uh, who are the first two you said? Xavier Howard and Brashad Perriman. Xavier Howard. David? Can you read the uh, thing again? A lion doesn't concern himself with the thoughts of sheep. Richard Sherman. And then there's a dash or like a, a line dividing it. The fourth Migo. Uh, I'm going to say Richard Sherman. <laughs> I'm going Darius Slay. It is Darius Slayton. I, wow. I totally have him down my uh, rankings now because he quoted Richard Sherman. <laughs> but Richard Sherman would quote himself, so I'm not going to. That's why I thought I might. I'm not going to take that out of the equation. All right, David, the next one is for you. I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. Hashtag Jesus is king. Ooh. Is it? Andrew Whitworth, Justin Tucker, Nikhil Harry, or Hunter Renfro? Nikhil Harry. I was, I, was, I was feeling Nikhil Harry on that one as well. Brad? I'm going to go Nikhil Harry. Uh, you guys are all wrong. It's Hunter Renfro. That does not sound like something Hunter Renfro would say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's, I, a, he's a Dabo boy. Dabo Swinney. That's what I'm saying. Him. I would have thought the reference file would have been like, if you're looking for a good deal on car insurance, I also do that <laughs> on the side. I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you guys uh, didn't say Justin Tucker because he's a big God advocate. So, yeah, it doesn't sound like something you would say either. Okay, the next one, John. We're beginning with you. Be patient and flower daily. Is it Laramie Tunsil, Richard Mendenhall, 
James Conner or Teddy Bridgewater? <laughs> Laramie Tunsil might uh, and and um, take a bong. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm going to say it's James Conner. Brad? I'm going to go Laramie Tunsil. David? Teddy Bridgewater. It is Laramie Tunsil. Wow. I'm on the board. I'm on the board. Y'all have one through five. I mean, this is this is tough. It's not, it's not an easy. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. I didn't think of a tiebreaker because I thought somebody was going to win. I'm getting a little nervous that I might have to find something. <laughs> All right. The next one, Brad, we're beginning with you. It's easy. Is it Deion Sanders, Kyler Murray, Bo Jackson, or Jerry Rice? Deion Sanders. David? Uh, it's Deion Sanders, I think. And John? Bo Jackson. It's easy. It is, it is Kyler Murray. Really? What? Wow. Yep. Got to read your guys' uh, bio. I love the confidence out of him. Yeah. Yep. yep. All right. We're still at one on question seven. And, David, we are beginning with you. Veteran into game, but I'm still the kid, two exclamation marks. Is it Frank Gore? Akib Talib, Mike Wallace, or Chris Harris? I think it's Mike Wallace. John? I'm getting big Frank Gore vibes from this. I'm going Frank Gore on this one. Eric, uh, I'm 100% <laughs> right, I know. You are 100% right, and I know it's because I've referenced it around you in the past. I had, I had to hide that I knew it for sure because I remember that exact <laughs> bio. I know I've said that around you in the past, but I thought if I could throw in some good names. That, that doesn't sound fair, but whatever. <laughs> All right, well, you have three questions to, to um, get back. All right, John, we're starting with you next. Keep it playa. Is it Jamal Adams, Bo Scaife, Roddy White, or D Ford? I am definitely getting Jamal Adams vibes out of this. Brad? That's D4 at 100%. David? I'll go Roddy White. It is Jamal Adams. Oh, so John has I was going to say that, too. I just didn't want to copy John. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's go to number nine. I'll give you a hint. This is all offensive linemen. This is a great one. Ooh. I may not have the best-looking number, but, God, it is the sexiest. And his number is 69. <laughs> is it Jedrick Wills, J.C. Treader, David Bakhtiari, or Russell Okung? And Brad, we're starting with you. I think Russell Okung is 71, isn't he? I don't know. I'm going to go with uh, the J.C. fellow. J.C. Treader. Okay. David? Jedrick Wills is the rookie for the Browns. I yes, think he's that, type, he's that type of guy that would make a comment like that and say that's so all go him. All right, and John. I'm going with Bakhtiari because there's that video where he chugs a beer and then oh, Aaron yeah. chugs a beer. So I, I feel like that's something he would do. It is David Bakhtiari. And I'm surprised David didn't with the Davids. <laughs> all right, well, Brad technically can't win, but we'll have, it, we'll have fun with this. Who starts? David doesn't get it right and we have a tie. But we're going to start with you on this one, David. Stay humble. Stay hungry. EPA stand up. Is it Keenan Allen, Kurt Warner, Stephen Ridley, 
or Devontae Adams? Who was the first one? Who was the first one? Do you need me to read the quote? Who was the first name? Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's my guess. Okay. John? Can you give me a run through again since this is for all the marbles? Sure. Stay humble. Stay hungry. EPA stand up. Is it Keenan Allen, Kurt Warner, Stephen Ridley, or Devontae Adams? I don't want to go with what David did because I think that's a cheap way out of it to guarantee the win. I, I feel like Kurt Warner. Okay. And Brad? I'm going to go, go Devontae Adams on this one. It is Tay15 Adams. I tried to have other people that you think would be humble, like Kurt Warner grag, uh, bagging groceries. But John wins with a score of three, and David and Brad tie with two. I did it the uh, right way. I didn't, I didn't just copy uh, David's to give myself you did, the win. You did it the right I way. Agree. And I stayed congrats, congrats on your winning score of three out of 10, 30%, which is failing technically. All right, John, um, you're, I'll put you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. John, yeah. You, you get your 10 seconds of FaceTime. So there's something that I want to talk about, and it is – that Brian Edwards is going to be a sleeper wide receiver uh, two at the end of the season. Uh, fantasy wise, I think he's going to be great. Uh, he's only getting better and uh, he, he's going to get some big targets in the red zone. He's a big, big guy, very athletic, 10 seconds. All right. Well, for all of us here at triple play baseball, or say baseball <laughs> football is back. We are ecstatic. We can't wait to break down week one with you guys next week. Remember, make sure you like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. We greatly appreciate it. Until then, enjoy the games. We will catch you guys next week.